1: Hello, I'm John Donvan, host and moderator of Intelligence Squared U.S. Although President Obama signed it into law in March of 2010, the Affordable Care Act remains one of the nation's most divisive issues. Senator Ted Cruz just spent hours on the Senate floor speaking against the health care law, while President Obama took the stage at the Clinton Global Initiative to explain intricacies of the health care overhaul.
2: A lot of people don't have health insurance. A lot of people realize they should get health insurance. Uh, but let's face it, it's been a little political, this whole uh, Obamacare thing. And so uh, what, what you've had is, is an unprecedented effort that you've seen ramp up over the last month or so in which those who have opposed the idea of universal health care in the first place and have fought this thing tooth and nail through Congress and through the courts and so forth uh, are, have been trying to scare and discourage people from getting a good deal.
1: The President was of course referring to the House Republicans who have voted 40 times to repeal the law in part or in whole. While some Republicans claim that President Obama has unfairly characterized their opposition to the Affordable Care Act, others are going as far as calling for a government shutdown over the issue. So how has it come to this point? Why does health care remain such a contested issue nearly six years into Barack Obama's presidency? Well, since 2006, Intelligence Squared U.S. has been hosting debates on the most divisive issues facing America. Not surprisingly, many of those have centered on health care. To shed a bit of light on the specific issue of President Obama's health care law, let's take a listen to a recap of a debate we staged back in January of 2011, just nine months after the Affordable Care Act was signed into law. The controversial motion up for debate was, Repeal Obamacare. The side arguing for the motion and against Obamacare included Douglas Aiken, an economist and former director of the Congressional Budget Office, who served as a senior policy advisor to Senator John McCain's presidential campaign, and John Shattig, a former Republican congressman from Arizona, who during his tenure introduced two health care bills promoting patient choice and portability in health insurance the team that argued in favor of the Affordable Care Act and against the motion, repeal Obamacare, included Paul Starr, a public policy professor at Princeton University who also served as a senior advisor to President Clinton in the formulation of his health plan, and Jonathan Cohn, senior editor of The New Republic and author of Sick! The Untold Story of America's Healthcare Crisis and the People Who Pay the Price. Douglas Aiken started off the debate by explaining why he believed the Affordable Care Act was unrealistic
2: and dangerous to the American economy. Now, I'm a former CBO director. It is my obligation to stand up in public and say apocalyptic things about the budgetary future. This nation, looking forward in the administration's budget 10 years from now, after the financial crisis in memory, after we assumed to be out of Iraq, out of Iran, after the economy is assumed to be back at 5% unemployment, we are running a deficit of a trillion dollars. $900 billion of it to pay interest on previous borrowing. This act makes that situation worse, not better. It sets up two new open-ended entitle programs that will grow, according to the CBO, at 8% a year, as far as the eye can see. The economy's not going to grow at 8%. Revenues aren't going to grow at 8%. The only way you could make that kind of a move add up budgetarily is smoke, mirrors, and gimmicks, and that's what the Affordable Care Act is riddled with. So we can't afford this as a nation. It is dangerous. Now, you'll hear some other arguments from the other side. The issues of fairness. Let us stipulate this is one of the most unfair pieces of legislation ever passed. And for every young person in this audience, this is a disaster. Through the individual mandate, you'll be obligated to be in the pool. The purpose is to put you in there to pay the the healthcare bills of people who are older and sicker than you. And at the end of your life, you'll get to pick up the debt that's been incurred through Obamacare. It is one of the most intergenerationally unfair things that has ever been scripted by the United States Congress. It should be repealed on those grounds alone. In his opening remarks, Paul Starr, senior advisor for President
1: Clinton's proposed health care reform, was quick to remind the audience of the human cost of repealing President Obama's Affordable Care Act.
3: Repealing the law would mean denying coverage to more than 30 million people. It would mean uh, repealing the law's protections against abusive insurance practices. It would mean giving up a whole series of cost containment measures that show a lot of promise for reigning in medical inflation. But even more important, repeal would be a confession of political helplessness in the face of a problem that has nagged at the national conscience for a century. It would be a confession that we simply are not capable of the elementary decency toward the sick that characterizes every other advanced democracy. There are surely changes that should be made in the law, but it would be an unspeakable tragedy for millions of people if we were to repeal
1: it. Former Republican Congressman John Shattuck took the podium next to dispel what he considered to be some of the myths surrounding Obamacare.
0: First, Supporters of Obamacare will say that Republicans simply don't believe in health care and, indeed, that they favor the status quo. That is simply wrong. I believe in my tenure in Congress. I have written more health care reform bills than any other member of Congress, and you will find countless proposals by Republicans to reform our nation's health care. Second, supporters of Obamacare will tell you that it will actually save the government money, and they will tell you that repealing it will cost the government money. But I urge you to begin by just looking at that question with common sense. Obamacare insures roughly 32 million additional Americans, most through Medicaid. That will increase cost. It creates a massive new bureaucracy, some 150-plus agencies and bureaus. That's got to increase costs. And it extends uh, dramatic new mandates over health insurance in America, and that will increase cost.
1: In his opening statement against the motion repeal Obamacare... Journalist Jonathan Cohn fired back at Shattig, arguing that the Affordable Care Act should not be abandoned. Two years ago, we had a presidential election. And we debated, what are we going to do about this? One,
4: President Obama won, the Democrats got in, and this was job number one. They reached out to the Republicans. They took ideas that Republicans had for years claimed to own said, all right, we'll meet we, you halfway, and we'll try, we'll, we'll, we will come up with a plan that builds on your ideas and our ideas, and we'll work together. And the Republicans walked away. And they said, fine, if we have to go it alone, we'll go it alone. But they kept the same ideas. They took the best from left and right. And what did they get? It's not a perfect plan. But it is a plan that will mean 30 million people have health insurance. It will mean that the insurance people have will be good insurance that will cover what they need. Congressman Shattuck never tells you this part of his plan, but the credit he would offer people isn't enough to pay for a good plan. I and mean, People with pre-existing conditions, it would basically work out to second-class insurance for second-class people. This is the plan they're talking about. The cost cost control, not perfect. It could be better. Fine. But repeal Obamacare? Tom Harkin said This is a starter house. It's got a good foundation, and it's got room for expansion. I say let's keep that foundation, let's build
1: onto it, and let's not repeal Obamacare. Let's not start over. Let's go forward. In our debates, we try to transcend rhetoric and political sound bites with reasoned analysis and discussion. As we delved deeper into this debate, repeal Obamacare, it became clear that the two opposing sides fundamentally agreed on the need for health care reform, So I posed a question aimed at their ideological differences. Both sides agree that the system we've lived with for the last 30 years, particularly in its last 15 or 20 years, is broken. You agree that something needs to be done. Your opposition on one side to the president's program and your support on the other side says what fundamentally about what you think we are as a nation, as Americans? I want to put that question first to you, John Shattuck, former I'm member of Congress. I'm thrilled have that
0: question because I think it's vitally important. Uh, I think, reality, we're a nation that does support taking care of those who can't care for themselves. We're a nation that thinks it's outrageous that anybody would lose coverage because they have a pre-existing condition like my heart condition or my sister's breast cancer. But we're also a nation that honors limited government and honors individual choice. I think on the one hand, what you hear from the other side is that the government can manage this issue better. And what I would suggest to you is we are in this problem because the government made changes that took you and I out of the equation. The government said health insurance is available only if your employer buys it and you get a tax deduction. But if you go out and buy it, it's one-third more expensive. If you can't hire and fire somebody that's delivering a service to you, you can't hold it accountable, including its costs.
1: So, John, you're saying there's an issue of individual freedom here. Absolutely. It's a liberty question. Let me but take the it individual
0: to- freedom is tied back to the cost of the service. And because we can't control it, we aren't controlling its cost.
1: Let me take your response to the other side, Paul Starr, who worked for the Clinton administration.
0: I I do think this is a question
3: of our public philosophy. And it is, I think, a sad commentary on us that we remain the only advanced country that doesn't provide protection to all of our citizens. Now, the reason we have, let's go back to why we have this employer-based system. If you don't have... Government share spread the costs uh, of health care. There needs to be some organization that serves as the pool for risk, and the employer. Uh, is the most convenient way to do it. That's actually why this first developed, in the 1930s and 40s, before we had the tax advantages. It's not as though the government took this away from individuals. That individual market that the congressman loves is phenomenally inefficient. But, Paul, what that about, what about your opponent's
1: work. point that, that as a nation, philosophically as a nation, we're defined by a commitment to limited government and that, that this yes. program actually assaults that notion?
3: But it is a program, as I said before, that is trying to create a functioning market, a better functioning market than the one that currently
0: exists. All Republicans are arguing is that you ought to give that choice to people. I do not favor individual purchase. I favor a plan which says I, as an individual, can buy an individual plan I can take my employer's plan or I can buy from a whole group of expanded choices. We can have uh, my social club, the Qantas club can offer a plan. My university alumni can offer a plan. Give me that choice. Force those insurance companies to compete. They don't compete right now. They don't care. They only Cohn. care that our employer bought the plan.
1: Jonathan Cohn arguing uh, against appeal.
4: uh, uh, Well, I would say, I mean, I think all of us favor choice. Choice is a wonderful thing. We want to give choice. This plan, this Affordable Care Act plan, what it does says, all right, let's create a market, a real market, a place kind of like Expedia, like they have in Massachusetts now, where everybody who's buying on their own actually gets a choice of, of insurance programs. Meanwhile, employers who have insurance for their employees will continue to provide that. Look, at some point, it is very easy to say we want to open up the exchanges for everybody and let everybody shop. You can build on this system to do that, but you're never going to get to that system you're talking about. You will never get to a system where people have choice and a choice of actual plans that are available to everybody until you build these exchanges that are in the Affordable Care
0: Act. John Chattuck. I have to raise an issue which your side has raised, and that is you say it gives people choices. Uh, it takes a lot of gall to say that it gives people choices. For example, in Medicare Advantage, it repeals Medicare Advantage for millions of Americans and takes them off. Two, you say that people will have choice of plans. There is one plan prescribed by the government. It actually has three different components, but that's it. Three, the notion that this bill gives the average American more choice is ridiculous. It's going to take away the choices Americans have now. When you say, for example, to employers that your costs are going to go up, such as AT&T, to the tune where you could pay the fine for not insuring every one of your employees, and still save $2 billion, they're going to have no choice but to drop their coverage and put people into the government-run can, plan.
3: Can, can I just that, this law introduces a penalty for dropping coverage. So how can you say that the law encourages them to drop precisely coverage? Precisely
0: because, right now, they choose to provide that coverage for their employees because that's competitive market requires them to do that. People want good coverage. If they drop that coverage, there's no place for those employees to go. Under this bill, they will all get government subsidies. So the notion that this is going to give you more choice, you can't... Fire Jonathan,
1: Jonathan Cohen, can't, I, 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 want, I, want, I want you to have there actually no heard that choice. argument, because it's, it's, it's actually I, it's, quite I, it's a, it's cogently good, put. It, it's,
4: and, and if you're right that offering all of these subsidies, the companies are going to drop, then we should see that in Massachusetts right now. But you know what? It hasn't happened. And the best
1: estimates we have from the experts are that it won't happen. In keeping with the Oxford debate model, we invited members of the live audience to pose questions to the panelists. The result... Well, things got a bit heated between former Republican Representative John Shattig and Jonathan Cohn, senior editor of The New Republic.
0: My question is, why should we not trust our elected officials? I lived in Great Britain for 25 years. I was a beneficiary of the National Health Service as well as private medicine, but there was an implicit trust that my tax pounds um, from my paycheck would help subsidize health care.
1: Let's put that to the side that's arguing to repeal.
0: I think we should Sean trust it. it. Uh, however, in this instance, we didn't. In point of fact, when Obamacare passed, it was opposed by roughly 54% of the American people. Its day is opposed by somewhere closer to 60% of the people. When Social C- Security was adopted, more than 80% of the members of the Congress, House and Senate, voted for the creation of Social Security. When Medicare and Medicaid were created, more than 70% of the members of Congress supported those programs. Okay. When this bill passed... It passed by the slimmest of margins in the House, 50.8%, purely partisan vote, and without the kind of consensus that I think will make it sustainable. Jonathan if it were Cone. sustainable, we wouldn't be having this Jonathan debate.
1: Jonathan Cohn, 30
4: uh, Okay. Very quickly, the polls, if you scratch those polls even a little bit, what you will find is that it's a country overall. Do you like the uh, health care reform? Yes, no, about divided. Ask the people who don't like it. Do you think it should be repealed and just we should go back to where we were or make it stronger? About half the people break off, say, oh, no, we want it to be stronger. And if you test the individual elements, they're wildly popular. Protection against pre-existing conditions, getting kids... Kids under 25, on parent. All of these things are wildly popular. And yes, it's true. The Republican Party did not, this was a close vote. You know why that is? That's because we live in a world not like the one 20, 30 years ago where you had a responsible Republican Party, where you had moderate oh. Republicans that, that's, I'm sorry. The oh. fact is, as my colleague said, as my colleagues, the ideas in this plan were virtually identical in, in the broad framework to what the Republicans were proposing just 12 years ago. It's what Mitt Romney signed. This is not a radical plan. I I wish Chad it were a radical plan. It's equal not.
1: time for you on that.
0: I think it's offensive to say that the Republican Party is irresponsible. Uh, you know, I, I'm sorry, I take offense at that. Yes, Republicans passed the opportunity when they held both majorities of Congress, but quite frankly, we did not have the demand that we have now seen. But how do you defend the fact that broad consensus is necessary to support this legislation? Have you defended it other than to say? Well, back then, the Republican Party was responsible, and now
1: it's not. And that concludes round two of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. That evening, the side arguing against the motion repeal Obamacare and in favor of the Affordable Care Act won the debate. While it was easy enough for Intelligence Squared U.S. to tabulate its live audience vote, wrangling Congress on the issue of health care will likely be a more difficult task. Surely, there will be more debates on the matter yet to come. Be sure to join us for our fall season of debates in New York City. We'll be tackling drones, gun control, immigration, and veganism. Yes, veganism. Dates are on our website, intelligencesquaredus.org. Thanks so much for listening. And remember to think twice.